G'day you fine hobby legends, it is the coach here, we are talking Cities of Sigma, we're not talking about my favourite Hello Heart, we're not talking about Tempest Eye, we are talking about Anvil Guard. Uh, Buckets, my, my wonderful guest, has slipped some of those illicit poisons into my drinks, he has got me in a curse and I'm ready to talk about this city that I don't quite understand because I'm not playing the style. So Buckets has been playing this army for a long time now. It's been something that's been near and dear to his heart ever since this book came out. I was kind of spellbound by Hello Heart. Uh, Buckets, Tyler has been talking all from Canada going Anvil Guard, Anvil Guard, Anvil Guard. So I couldn't think of a better person to bring to the table to explain to me why Anvil Guard is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, so fresh out of Canada. G'day. How are you? Good, sir. Anthony, hello. Doing well, thank you. Excited to be here, talk about some illicit dealings for sure. little dabbling going on here. You have been an absolute master when it comes to Anvil Guard. While everyone's talking the list tech of double piling in Hammer Hall, they're talking about plus eight to casting from from, uh, from um, Hello Heart. Um, we're doing all the little pistol shooting from Tempest Eye. You have stuck to Anvil Guard and... You know, you've had some interesting lists, and you actually convinced me to bring some of that into my Tempest Eye army. So, um... I did. <laughs> yeah, the Dreadlord. Uh, I think everyone should be playing the Dreadlord if you're playing Cities of Sigmar. He fits in about four of the well, four cities for sure. But if you like the unit, you can play them all over the place there. So, all right, let's let's not ruin Christmas. A lot. Let's just tell the kids what what's in the present. But um. Is there anything you want to say about yourself? Uh, people who might not know who you are, Bucket Ninjas. You, you know, you're, you're in all the the, um, the YouTube chats. Uh, you know, you're a, you're definitely a figure in the community, a very positive light. Uh, I've really enjoyed our conversations over a number of years now. Uh, what else don't we know about buckets? How, how did you get into Warhammer? Well, um, thank you, but I originally got into it from a neighbor, my neighbor down the street. The kids are the same age, and uh, he was playing. Magic the Gathering. I was playing a bit of Magic the Gathering. And uh, yeah, he uh, said, I'm moving over to Warhammer 40K. You want to give it a shot? I said, maybe. I tried it out and it wasn't for me. So a year went by and he switched over to Age of Sigmar and I'm a Swords and Shield kind of guy. And I started up. I fell in love with the Beast Claw Raiders to start. And uh, I've been hooked ever since. <laughs> No, it's great to have you, and I'm glad that you saw uh, the light that is Sigmar and you walked away from those bestial uh, chaos. But, uh, you know, you've been playing being tabletop sim for a while. You know, you're, you're quite local when it comes to the Canada community, um, and I yeah. can't wait till COVID's over to see what you actually get to do with some of this new this tech that you've been building and playing with. It's interesting for sure, uh, definitely. Um, I'm a list builder. I like the math of the game things like that. And uh, Cities of Sigmar was the book for me when it came out. So that probably leads into a really good question is what drew you to the Cities of Sigmar book? And then the second question after that is then what drew you to Anvil Guard? Well, originally I started in Cities of Sigmar for a narrative event. And uh, it was an Escalation League. And I started in for that. And uh, it went ever since. It was for Darren Watson's Go Trek Challenge. Mm. And yeah, so I started with that and it's been hooked ever since I started and Anvil Guard was the choice, the Vitriolic Spray, which we'll talk about. And I just fell in love with some of the lore, made some characters, named them and everything like that. And it's been growing ever since from a narrative army to now what it is now. 
Um, and, and I've noticed that in your list design, you're heavily drawn towards that dark elf meta, that Scourge Privateer, um, that Order Draconis, that type of dark elf kind of uh, build. And that kind of naturally fits in perfectly to Anvil Guard. Not to say that you can't bring them into other cities, uh -huh. but I feel like it, it is a great place for that former dark elf faction, um, however you split it out with. You know, the, the different exactly it, it it they work the covens and stuff just work with anvil guard so well and i just it grew from that it was a narrative love for me for an escalation and i saw something that i think was powerful and i've just been playing with it and trying to learn it and there's a lot of tricks out there that i don't think people know about where you're saving points stuff like that you can bring a lot of cool characters and cool models. I mean, it's not the cheapest army to play because a lot of the range is quite old. So, but it's incredible. Yeah, no, look, I'd be really surprised by, uh, there's another player locally to me um, who's who's really, really good at Anvil Guard. His name's Andrew Bigwood. Um, again, he's a very Dark Elf kind of uh, build. Yeah. I mean, I dark Elf, I'm talking about the old Warhammer Fantasy Battle guys. Uh, that got split out to... Uh, what Scourge Privateer, Order Draconis, uh, Order Serpentis, Darkling Coven, um, Darkling Coven. You know they all kind of encompass what used to be the the Dark Elves. Um, but Andrew Bigwood as well um, has had a lot of success with with this particular build. And there's a lot of things that you don't see very often. People see the Free Guild Guard. People who know mm -hmm. Carbon. People know you know the or the Free Guild General on Griffin. Yes. But when they see that sorcerer, sorceress or the you know the Dreadlord on Black Dragon, it's it's pretty rare. Like, yeah, I don't see a lot of those on the table. Well, the sorceress itself is—I don't think you could place. I think it should be in every city's list. It's for ninety points. What you can do with getting plus two to cast is just—you can't find that kind of value in the game for what you're doing. So, you know, you get a battle line, a hero, and your plus two to cast in any list you want to start with. Also, the models are gorgeous. I keep going back to that, but the, you know, and and just playing with them, they just. Your army plays out on the table how you think it should play out, and which is a nice thing if you're like me. And when you're playing the game, your army's playing how you feel they should play out. They're playing that part of the game, which is important to me. Yeah, and, and that's what drew me to Hallow Heart was that I've always been a Magic player since the very early days. And I love running that Hurricane. I love running it Lumen up. So I want an army that feels the way I want it to feel. Um, so it's great to hear, again, Anvil Guard and that, former Dark Elf now, Darkling Coven, blah, 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 all fits that narrative and that play style. Yeah, I think they went the route of Dark Elf and Wood Elf. A lot of the Wood Elf stuff, too, works quite well with this um, yeah. with this army. So I think that's what they're pushing. Um, they build it out that way with the battalion in the army. And if you're, if you're looking for an army that uh, plays the way it's built in the book anvil guard is that army it, it plays how it's built and it's a beautiful thing so we're dancing around the topic which i might as well ask you the question now what is the strengths of the cities of sigma and then what are the strengths of anvil guard and then i'll bring up the rules and we'll kind of talk through the individual rules but you know um the 80 foot view of of um anvil guard what's your take on on the strengths well the main strength where armies are looking you generate a lot of command points and if you have things to spend those command points on, it's huge. You automatically get the four plus adjutant, which people don't know. If your general six wounds or less, you select a hero, start of your hero phase on a four plus, you get a command point. 
you also get the illicit dealing trait, which gives you D3 command points to start the game. So without taking a battalion, you're guaranteed two command points on your first turn. That can go up to a possibility of four command points. And then after your hero phase, it's five command points. And for people that don't know that, you can that's a lot of command points in your first turn. You can mitigate battle shock when we get to their uh, allegiance command ability. You can do all kinds of funky stuff. You can activate your monsters in their attack phase for your buffs. You can do all kinds of funky stuff with this army with the amount of command points. I know there's other armies that gener generate similar command points, but I don't think people are talking about the amount of points that you can save in this army. I know I know. when I was playing my Goom Spike Gets, um, I, I would have so many command points, but I'd often find I didn't have enough ways to spend them. Yeah. I feel like when I've watched your games and we've talked through the, you know, the way that you play, um, you do have that that kind of nice balance that you can be spending two, three, four command points a turn and you're, you're doing it valuably. You're not just, you know, basically re replacing Mystic Shield everywhere. Um, you're doing some really good stuff. Um, so, Yeah, the Allegiance ability itself is an interesting one because if you just select illicit dealings, you get D3 to begin the game. So if you don't get the first turn, their allegiance ability allows you to sec one unit uh, within twelve, wholly within twelve inches of a hero. You remove just one model from that unit, and all units within your army that are with wholly within eighteen inches of the unit you selected are immune to battle shock at the start of the battle shock phase. That's so awesome. against alpha strike armies, if you you know you're going against a three four drop army, because one of the things is you're not getting low drops with this army. So if you don't like putting ten to twelve drops on the table, it's probably not the army for you. And being able to mitigate an assault or mitigate battle shock for your entire army for free without spending a command point that you're supposed to use in your hero phase, because you could have possibly have three now going into that, is huge. Yeah, no, it's massive. I um, uh, I, I have a similar build in Hello Heart where my general makes everyone immune to battle shock holy within 18. And I remember playing at a few tournaments like CanCon where uh, I would be turn one charged by... because most cities of sigma battalions aren't that strong um or they're not going to bring everything into the battalion like other books do so you're probably a minimum kind of three to four drops most likely kind of six to seven depending on the build um, yeah so i would get i would get turn one charged often by three stone horns or you know two more crushes you know with a mega boss or gordrak on top and and to be able to just put down that command ability or that command trait to say everyone's immune to battle shock mm -hmm. um it really kind of reduces the impact of that turn one charge. So um, that's a really cool strength. So you know what? Let's let's get straight into the abilities. I might actually bring up um, maybe a little bit first about the Cities of Sigmar, and, and you can explain to me what, why this is important to Anvil Guard, and then we'll go into Anvil Guard itself. So um, what we're talking through first is the stuff that everyone in Cities of Sigmar gets, regardless of which city you take. So yeah. Oh, go ahead. So first things first is you, you have to choose a city. Mm -hmm. So there is, so most uh, uh, books uh, may give you an option to not take a temple, a coven, a, a storm host. But in Cities of Sigma, you must take one of these cities, whether it's Hammer Hall, Living City, Greywater, Phoenician, blah, blah, blah. No custom city. And those cities are locked to a realm. So you're either locked to Gairan or you're locked to Akshi. Mm-hmm. 
the couple of abilities you're going to get from the Cities of Sigma, so I'd love to, again, hear, hear some of the, the benefits to you. Uh, first things first is you get the Amplified Sorcery. So basically, if the Cities of Sigma wizard successfully casts an Endless Spell, um, it's going to be empowered by the realm. So it's empowered by Akshi, Shimon, Gur, Gairan, blah, 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 blah. So what does the empowering of Endless Spells mean to you and your armies? Well, the... Uh kind of the linchpin of this army um is either the soul screen bridge or the umbral spell portal um and the umbral spell portal especially being empowered uh allows you to have an interesting little combination we'll talk about later but uh just empowered endless spells are incredible already being able to cast them on plus two to cast is great i mean you're casting everything on plus two to cast in this army if you wish and having an empowered spell portal on a three is uh pretty nuts so if you if, if you are new to age of sigma or you know you haven't played with cities of sigma yet basically the endless spells that were sitting in malign sorcery if you read their war scroll most if not all of them have this rule that says empowered by the realms and what it does is it basically supercharges that endless spell so um uh, geminids you can uh re-roll the d3 damage um shackles you can um the shackles are nine inches between each shackle instead of six um what else um well, spell portal instead of being within 12 of each other they can be anywhere on the board so and we've um, talked about this before but the big one where people need to pay attention to is quicksilver swords going forward where it is basically a hero killer with the spot if you're going against any chaos army with a five wound hero with a spell portal, it's an automatic kill anywhere on the board. Basically, so I mean, math, so math gets away from that a little bit. If depending on how you roll, it's a dice game, but it's pretty, it's pretty uh, legit. So, Quicksilver Swords, instead of being twelve dice on a six plus, it's a mortal wound. Um, it's fifteen dice, so you get a couple of extra dice. And then against chaos, it's it's a mortal wound on a five. So Correct. basically, you're you're getting more value from your endless spells than your opponent will. So. Um, mm -hmm. Good stuff. It's very good. Um, the next thing is, is that your armies must be coming from Akshi or Gairan. So um, each of the cities will be locked in. Uh, it'll say specifically that Hello Heart and Tempest Eye, for example, are coming from Akshi. Mm -hmm. They'll say the living city comes from Gairan. So what does that mean, Tyler, that my, my city has to come from Gairan or Akshi? Well, being uh, Anvilgard has to come from Akshi. So, um, it gives you Thermal Rider Cloak and Ignaxus Scales. I mean, two of the best artifacts you can take. Um, if you're, they, we'll talk about it later, but they have an inherent artifact that's already a feel no, like a Ignore uh, Wounds. So, you can have two of those in your army. An interesting thing, too, is, um, we'll talk about it soon, I'm sure, but this army allows you to take the benefits of a battalion without taking a battalion for the points. Yeah. So you're guaranteed to be able to, if you're, if you're looking for an artifact from Akshi, you can take it for free. So what's wrong with a, th a free Ignaxis scales on your, um, Hurricaneum? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and the other big call that you're probably going to make here is that what it means is that you can't come from another realm. So, 
If yes. you play uh, Anvil Guard, you must come from Akshi, which means you can't come from Gur or or Hish or Shimon. You you must play. I, I mean, obviously, if you're playing in a narrative game, do whatever you want. It's you know, it's up to you and your opponent. Correct. But, so the artifacts you can take, you know, you, you got to look at that. You can only your army has to be from. If you're fielding this army, it has to be from the realm of Akshi. So whichever rules implement that, that's the way it is. So they're the artifacts that are going to come from my line sorcery. So that's just FYI. Um, The next rule I'm going to get is this honored retinue. So basically um, you choose a general in the cities of Sigma uh, if it has a wound characteristic of six or less. Um, So your general, so if your general has six wounds or less, uh, you can pick one friendly unit uh, to be the retinue uh, if the unit has between five or 20 models. Then basically from the retinue, what's going to happen is... Um, you either going to be able to roll a dice each time you wound uh, the general, uh, whether it's a regular or a mortal wound. Um, and if they're within three inches of that retinue on a four plus, you're able to bounce the, the mortal wound from your general to the unit. Correct. The adjutant is huge. I mean, it's what your fungoid cave shaman does, um, but it's for any of your heroes that are lower. I mean, the thing is, if you decide to go the monster hero route, which you can, um, you're going to lose out on the adjutant. So you kind of got to play around with that. There is, you know, it's whoever you choose, you're going to, you can benefit from it, but you always have that D3 to grow back on if you're not looking for that four plus, but it's just a um, command point engine. It's great. So with the mortal wound, you're going to be able to make your general um, a bit bit harder. So it's going to be harder to kill them because you're going to be bouncing mortal wounds off to your unit. Um, yes. A nice combination if you have something like Phoenix Guard because then they have additional saves on top of that. Um, yeah, it's pretty good if you have your anointed. You can take an anointed on foot as your general. You make a unit of 20 Phoenix Guard, the retinue. You know, you have another... I mean, yeah, the, uh, the retinue, you have another guy close. You're generating a command point on a 4+. You're moving them up. You're able to, you know, activate other command abilities, shrug runes. You know, if someone hits you with a mortal wound spell, you can shrug them, get a four plus save on it. It's quite good. The other rule you're going to get is if your general has six wounds or less, uh, you get something called one wise counsel, uh, which at the start of your hero phase, if the general's within three inches of the adjutant, roll a dice on a four plus, they receive one extra command point. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Just great. I mean, you combine that. If you're going first, you get D3 plus one. So you're looking at the possibility of four. Start your hero phase. If you roll four plus, you start with five. Let's go. Finally, you're going to be able to choose one in every four um, of your units are going to be Stormcast. So uh, if you choose a Stormcast unit, uh, it doesn't count to your ally points. And it gains the Cities of Sigma keyword. Um, so how does that how does that work for Anvil guarding your armies? Um, in my armies, uh, I'm a believer that Anvil Guard's looking for volume of attacks over quality of attacks. So you can bring something like the Knight Azeros in, where you're re-rolling ones. You know? and Or you can bring another thing in. Uh, the Comet with Knight Encantor is always a benefit in armies if you're looking to just get a little bit more mortal wound output and the option to automatically dispel maybe another opponent's endless spell that you're worried about, you know, if they're, if they're trying to counter you with an endless spell or something. So 
there's chaff that you can get, but the big one for Anvil Guard, I think a must add is the Knight Azeros. It is just, it fits perfectly with this army. And it's also another thing where you're seeing a lot of chaos possibly coming. And the Knight Azeros just fits the bill with this army versus chaos. So, yeah. so, so what it basically means is that you get to have two army books to build your list. So you can yeah. pick anything in the Stormcast book and anything in the Cities of Sigma book so long as one in every four unit is a Stormcast unit. So um, if you have eight units, you're only allowed to have two Stormcast, but you're not restricted to points. You could have a Star Drake that's like 500-odd points. Um, you could take a Prime. You could take um, literally anything from the Stormcast book. Um, and it gains the Cities of Sigma keyword and the Anvil Guard unit, so it's going to synergize really well. Correct, correct. And this this unit, uh, this army, like I mentioned before, you're looking at putting around twelve drops on the table. So if you want to do it that way, that's three Stormcast units. If you want to go there, one and four, and that's the type. It's between ten and twelve is kind of the drops I'm looking at for this army. That's that sweet spot. So you're guaranteed if you want two units, if you want those two nice heroes, they fit nicely in this army. Yeah, yeah. So, so again, like from a list tech point of view, it, it, it does create some pretty amazing stuff and some combinations. Mm -hmm. I know I've got some really cool stuff with my Tempest Eye. I know my Hallow Heart. There's, you know, there's, there's really good different pieces that you can bring in that just makes your army incredible. Um, so that's all stuff that happens with Cities of Sigma, regardless of which city you take. Um, they're all the benefits that you're going to get um, for Cities. Mm -hmm. what, when you go Anvil Guard, you're going to get a whole bunch more. So we've kind of mentioned already that the city must come from Akshi. So that, that kind of locks you into the artifacts you can take from a line sorcery. Um, you can't take any other artifacts from a different realm, only what's in your book, only what's in Akshi. Correct. You then have this thing called illicit dealings. So illicit dealings is when you choose your Anvil Guard army, uh, you can profit from one of the following benefits of illicit dealings. So I guess I can choose one of every three. I can pick either a Black Market Bounty, which adds one additional friendly hero uh, with an artifact, um, one, the Dabblings of Sorcery, so one additional friendly Anvil Guard Dragon, Charybdis, or War Hydra can take the, uh, the the Drake Blood Curse, or I take Hidden Agents to generate uh, an additional D3 command point. So what is this? What is, what is this whole thing I've just talked about? Well... Yeah, this is kind of where you you have to start with the army, which way you want to go. Uh, hidden agents is a must. The interesting thing, which we'll talk, uh, touch on, is the command trait, which if you take the command trait, which is the Black Flank Fang Crime Lord, you can select two of these. That's your choice. So taking hidden agents plus Black Market Bounty is giving you the benefits automatically from having a battalion without having a battalion for free. So the average cost of battalions, you know, you're looking at 100, 120 points, even higher than that. Those points can now be put back into your army for units just by simply taking this stuff. Um, it's quite good when you look at what 120 points can get you. So it gets me, you know, uh, an extra artifact. I could take uh, more command points and or I could take an extra mount traits, which is pretty crazy when you look at taking a, a Charybdis, a War Hydra, or a Dragon. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty crazy. Um, One of the interesting but, shouts was before, when this book came out, they FAQ'd the, dre the Dreadlord and the Sorceress. They did not have the uh, Dragon keyword before. 
So doing that was huge too. Giving them that dragon keyword, which uh, which was big in the book, was huge. They then they can take a mount trait. So that was nice to see. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, so the, so do check the FAQs as well because they, they yeah. do update things. Um, Definitely. The last two things you're going to get for being Anvil Guard is the uh, the Drake Blood Curse. So if an Anvil Guard army includes any dragons, Charybdis, or War Hydra. One of those models um, has the Drake Blood Curse. Um, what happens there is uh, choose choose which model is going to have the Drake Blood Curse, and then you basically are going to choose from the opposite table. So there's a, a table that kind of goes along with it. Um, Correct. These are your basic mount traits. Um, they have one is well, one is neg two to bravery, which on the Carabitus is almost comical. It's a neg three bravery unit. So if that if that becomes a thing going forward, it could be interesting for people that have a lot of Carabituses hanging around. Yeah, that's um, crazy. yeah uh, the one that I like the most, which is acidic blood, which is a four plus uh, for a mortal wound back on any wounds that are not negated in the combat phase by a melee weapon. And yeah, so, and uh, yeah, those are the two that are kind of the ones you got to look at. The bravery, if they come back, it could be very interesting. I th it was something I looked at. Um, in certain games, you just wish you had the other one with this army because they're quite good for mount traits. Yeah, they're, they're pretty good. Um, and Acidic Blood seems to be the one that most people kind of lean into. Um, so the Fell Gaze allows you so to subtract two from the Bravery characteristic, which we just mentioned, and then uh, the Jutting Bones. Uh, after the model makes a charge move, pick one enemy unit within one inch of the model and roll the dice. On a two plus, they take D3 mortal wounds. So I yep. imagine something like a Dreadlord, that's like a nice little combo with the Dreadlord. Jut Jutting Bones is is interesting, um, especially with the monsters from Amblegard, the War Hydra, which is Order Serpentis, or the Carabitus. Um, you can choose to lash the whip on their... Uh, so you get to roll extra dice to enhance your charge. So And also, it triggers with the Carabitus, where if you... Um, a model slaying an enemy model, you can heal D3 wounds. So being able, if he's low on wounds, charging in jutting bones you get even one you're fine he heals d3 wounds after that so it's an interesting little combo there there is which there's lots of stuff there yeah yeah um and and, and, and you know one of the things we're going to do next tyler uh, is going to actually look at one of your lists so um there is no silver bullet to anvil guard there is no one particular way to build the army this is just an example of you putting this all into practice um but there's obviously so many combinations that you can kind of bring various armies in. But um, And then finally, uh, before we get into that list, you get a command ability. So you're going to get a command ability that um, at the start of the battle shock phase, uh, if you obviously spend the command point, uh, if you do so, pick one friendly Anvil Guard unit that's wholly within 12 of a friendly Anvil Guard hero. One model in that unit is slain. So I think you referred to this earlier at the start of the game. Um so what Correct. happens is uh, you slay that model. However, in that phase, you do not need to take battle shock tests for friendly anvil guard units that are within 18 inches of that unit. Yeah, it's an interesting little thing. Um, for deployment, you're going to want your stuff a little bit tight at the start with some of the sorceress interactions. 
So it's just a great little deterrent. Um, there's a lot of mortal wound spells going out right now with Seraphon, with other armies that are possibly removing 10 models from your army, you know, right away. You know, if you're battle shocking half of those off, you know, you're in trouble here. So being able to mitigate stuff like that and then counter punching, I think is huge. And it's free. I mean, illicit dealings guarantees you one on your opponent's turn. So guaranteeing that, it's nice. Yes, it absolutely is. Sorry, I was just changing screens that I'm going to bring up in a second. Um, so there's, you know, and you start to see some combinations, start to see mm. how we're incentivizing the Charybdis, the War Hydra, and the uh, any dragon particular build. We're starting to see, you know, we can bring in an extra artifact. We can have additional command points. Um, you know, we might be rewarded by taking the adjutant, or maybe we just want to go stuff it. We're going to take a monster as my general and just accept not getting the additional command point because I'm already getting an additional D3 command points by taking that illicit dealing. So, you know, it's stuck to kind of think about how I might shape this army. Yeah. Um, one thing I got to say is if it moves over to a monster meta where people, you know, the Gargants are coming. If they have the monster keyword, you know, if this Maw Tribe's book, you think they'll have the, they'll, yeah, they might have the monster keyword. I don't know. I imagine so. I imagine they'll have the monster keyword. The ability to take one of the command traits combined with the battalion is devastating for monster armies. Two damage, you know, a lot of your attacks, most of your army is getting plus one to hit, plus one to wound against monsters. It's There's a few ways to build this army depending on which way it goes, which is nice. Yeah, and it's, and it's worth calling out as well is that you're going to get Anvil Guard artifacts, there's an Anvil Guard spells, there's other stuff that comes with it, but... Um, where I really want to start to kind of understand the, the Anvil Guard um, build is within one of your lists. So you've been kind enough to bring to share this with me, and I'm going to walk through step-by-step step your list, and I want to understand what this unit is, why have you picked it, what's it do for you, um, and, you know, start to bring this Anvil Guard stuff to life. So, For sure. So we've called this the Anvil Guard Spell Portal. So I, I, I can only imagine there might be a spell <laughs> portal. There is, yeah. So for anyone who listens to this podcast in the future, I just stroked my beard because uh, maybe I got my uh, going here a little bit too. So <laughs> yeah, the, the, the chat the chat's already complimented both of our beards and, and said that they were matching. Although mine's a little bit more grey for uh, <laughs> my isolation beard. Um, yeah, it's all good, man. So your allegiance cities of Sigma. You're coming from Akshi. You have to come from Akshi if you go with Anvil Guard, and you have taken the illicit dealings hidden agendas. So yeah, hidden agent, sorry, hidden agent. Correct. That's the D3 command points. I think it's just a, well, my sorceress general will be take, taking the black fine crime lord, but the hidden agents is just D3 command points to start the game is just, it's huge. I mean, people spend 50 points for one, you know, and you know, they, or they spend 50 points plus 120 points for a battalion. That's 170 points that I get for free. So, yeah. So the first thing first is you've alluded uh, your sorceress is your general. So this is a six wound or less uh, general. You've taken the command trait Black Fang Crime Lord, and then you've taken the lore of dark sorcery Vitrilic Spray. Um, Correct. Now, the chat right now is going off when it comes to this particular spell because they know what's coming between the spell portal and the spray. But let's pretend I didn't know. What does this mean and how does this all come together with the sorceress? 
This was why I, for my narrative army, this thing, when it was spoiled, I think that it was, it didn't get enough love. I don't know what it was if people, because the casting cost, which was a, uh, a two, they didn't take the time to think. I think they brushed it aside. The power of it was strong, obviously. When everyone's seen it, they knew it was strong. Probably one of the strongest spells in the game. But the casting cost turned people aside. So myself, I took that and I figured out a way how to cast it very regularly. And it went from there. Um, what it does is it's casting cost of an eight, which is quite high, but with the sorceress, you can sack in your hero phase a Darkling Coving model to get plus two to cast. So now we're on a six. And I like the I like casting on a six. So Vitrillic Spray casts on an eight. Mm -hmm. um, and you're able to bring that down to a six because you're getting plus two from the Sorceress who Correct. basically stabs a unit, uh, a Darkling Coven unit. Um, yeah, if you, if you play... if. If you care about your models and you don't like seeing them uh, leave the table, this might not be for you. But if you if you like uh, your heroes and you like their uh, minions doing their bidding, then definitely. <laughs> I um uh, one of my very good friends, David McElroy, you know, um, absolute friend of the channel. Uh, I've been playing Warhammer with him since we were we were like ten years old. You know, really young. He um, always ran his sorceress with a block of ten. Um, just 10 dark elf uh dread spears for sure dread spears, dread spears. Yeah. and like they were this sacrificial dread spears that every turn would just set sacrifice their whole role was to die to get plus two to the cast so yeah um, and they're grateful to do that too we need to you know they're happy to give their blood for the coven so so you're taking the sorceress because it's got six wounds so the adjutant's going to be able to generate additional command points the plus two to the cast for the spell um what what does the black fang crime lord bring to the table so the black fang crime lord allows me to take two of the illicit dealings that we talked before so i'll i take black market bounty and illicit and uh hidden agents so i'm getting a free artifact to put in my army also Great. So if you were to take a battalion, you get three artifacts, but uh, this allows you not to take an, a, a battalion and get an extra artifact anyway. Correct. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Anything else on your general sorceress? She's just a great general. Um, one thing about the sorceress is she has a war scroll spell that it's a bit slept on also. Word of pain. Minus one to hit and D3 mortal wounds to a unit. It's huge. I mean, when you're sending it around the board, it's 18 inch range. You can just tag something, say, okay, neg one to hit, D3 mortal wounds. Casting value is low, you know. You know, you're plus two to everything. So all these casting that people are avoiding, with the sorceress, the spells look a lot more, they look a lot better. I mean, they're a lot more appealing, I guess the wording is, a lot of these spells that are overcosted. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, people in the chat are talking about, you know, some very interesting things. You know, you could add a Hurricanum if you wanted to get that increased spell cast. And obviously, um, we'll go through more of the list, but, you know, there's, there's so many ways that you can make this idea your own. If you don't like the Sorceress and you want to go, um, you know, the a Battle Mage or, a, you know, a Hurricanum, there's, there's different alternatives, but we're kind of putting it all into practice. You've got a second Sorceress there. So I guess why have you got a second Sorceress and then... I can see you've got the Dark Sorcery spell Shadow Daggers, and this is the Adjutant. So why have you chosen a Sorceress as an Adjutant? Um, um, it was originally a Battle Mage, 
Uh, the battle mage is great with, you know, the light battle mage or wherever you want to go. You want Foz protection or you want plus two run and charge. I mean, whatever your flavor is, but the reliability of having two sorceress being on plus two to cast gets off any little combination you want spell wise, usually. So having the other sorceress there is four plus command point plus two to cast for my two wizards. That's where I want to be. By the way, before anyone pings me in the chat or in a comment in the future, uh, I just remembered that the Cities of Sigma Hurricanum is no longer buffing Order Wizards. It is now uh, the Collegiate Arcane, so you can't get a plus one to the cast. Correct. Of the Correct. So don't, yeah. don't at me at some stage, chat. <laughs> um, don't at me. I'm not looking at the chat right now, so I just got this up here. So, yeah, so definitely. I, if, that, if that was Order Wizards, I mean it'd be tough to leave one out of this army for sure it used to be it used to be for, for order now it's gone uh, to, to okay um, yep. but either way you know plus two is pretty sweet right um so we've got next we've got the dreadlord on black dragon uh that's yep. coming in with the uh the weapon option of lance and shield you've taken the artifact the drake scale cloak mm -hmm. and then you've chosen the mount trait which is the blade the drake blade curse of acidic blood yeah uh, talk about a mouthful so once it's a definitely the table why have we gone the lance weapon over the sword um what's the cloak doing why the blood i've been a fan of the dreadlord as you know anthony i <laughs> i'm a convert he converted me he converted me um, uh yeah it uh at 300 points on the charge this hero is quite good when you take the shield he gets a three plus save on his base. You can choose to take two hand weapons, which lets you reroll hits. You can do some things, but the three plus combined with the Drake scale cloak, which is an artifact from Anvil guard gives you a five plus ignore mortals and wounds. So he's a three plus five plus on the charge. He's doing neg two rend and two damage on his Lance and his dragon also has a decent profile, you know, classic monster profile and the acidic blood so he's pretty tanky all those wounds back four plus you're sending a mortal wound black mortal wound back to the attacking unit so nice little you know hero he fits with it you know being able to take a mount trait wasn't available to him until the uh, faq came up after the book was released so that made him a bit more appealing to me i started i originally was looking at sorceress on black dragon it was a nice unit in you know a different army but seeing this after the FAQ, I knew what it was I wanted to play. It's a it's a gorgeous model too. So, yeah, I, I've, I'm converting one from yeah. a, a, a Carmine Dragon for my Tempest Eye, and um, you know when when I look at your combination, so the Lance is certainly rewarding me for charging my opponent uh, yeah. to get that additional damage, and then the shield is going to make the dragon a three plus armor save. So I know in my Tempest Eye, for the first turn it's a two plus. Correct. In and Anvil Guard, you've just got a straight three three up armor safe, and then you're bouncing off mortal wounds because of acidic blood. Um, you're doing absolute carnage with the, the the dragon. Does I think what one of its bite attacks is like d6 damage. Um, Correct. So um, the, the the Ignaxus scales is an interesting. If you're only concerned about mortal wounds on him, the Ignaxus scale is nice. But I like the Drake scale. It's just a great artifact. I mean, three plus five plus solid yeah and you're bouncing off mortal wounds when you when you take them correct 
Uh, finally, the hero choice you've got is the uh, Knight of Zero. So it's coming in from the Stormcast Eternals, and you've given it Correct. the artifact, the uh, the, uh, the Thermal Rider cloak. So the first call out again, we've mentioned that Stormcast units in Cities of Sigma aren't allies, which means you can give them artifacts. So that's something yep. you can't do with a with a traditional ally because they're not allies in cities. So again, Knight of Zeros, why are we taking Knight of Zeros and and what's the benefit of Thermal Rider Cloak to, to the to the model? Well, the Knight of Zeros, um, it is one of the or like so any enemy unit within 10 inches, um, all the units you have are rerolling ones to hit against that unit. So it's already on a 12-inch base move. The Thermal Rider Cloak moves that to 16 inches. And when you run with a command point, you're looking at 22 inches of movement for any unit in your army you're wanting to reroll once to hit on. And that is an insane amount of movement when you're flying. So you can just move this guy all around the board. He is quite good. Um, he's got a decent profile too. I mean... You know, he's four attacks, threes and threes, neg one, you know, three up save base. He's just a nice little hero at 100 points, and he fits the army. I, I always find the Nizeros interesting because um, it is a bit of a squishy hero, so people can kill it quite easily. Um, it's great because it's basically allowing you to do uh, buff buffs to your army, being able to reroll ones. Once per battle, you can use a lantern to do D3 damage or against chaos, it's D6 damage. Um, to something within eight inches. So that's a nice little bonus for a 100-point model. If people are attacking my Knight of Zeros, I'm okay with that because then it means it's not attacking my Dreadlord on Black Dragon. It's not attacking my Sorceresses. Um, so it's not like, you know, like I'm okay with that. He gives people to pay attention to him. It's, it's nice having a model that people have to pay attention to where – you know, when you have, you know, 60 shots with your dark shards and they're like, oh, I don't want them to reroll ones or your whatever you're doing, you know, they they want to focus on that Knight Azeros. So, yeah. And look, you know, like if the Knight Azeros is not for you um, or your build is different, you know, that 100 points is cheap enough to throw away or it's cheap enough to be able to bring in another sorceress, to bring in a battle mage, to bring in more endless spells, to bring in something of a 100 point value. Uh, the Knight Heraldor, I think, is about 100 points. So, again, the free guild general on foot. I mean, if you you know if you play free guild, and you want a mixed order army, you know, and he fits in perfect in that spot. You know, you yeah. just toss him in. Yeah, uh, the anointed as well. It's a nice little good show. Uh, yeah, for nice sure. Little hero piece that also is able to unbind. So again, like it, it, this is just one of the many ways. But uh, I personally do like the Knight of Zeros in this particular list. Yeah, and I want to give a show because. I, there's not a lot of Dwarden in this list, but another one too. If you play, you know the you know the Rune Lord fits in there too. There's a lot of heroes in the book that fit at that hundred points. It's a huge flex in the army, I believe. You can plug and play what you want, which is a nice thing about this army. Next thing up, you've got thirty dark shards, and I know uh, Jack from Reroller wants to be curious about the next one, which is your Eternal Guard. But first off, uh, why the dark shards and why at a block of thirty? They're just insane for 300 points with a Sorceress. Sorceress has a War Scroll ability that a Darkling Coven unit wholly within 12 inches of her can run, shoot, and charge in the same turn. So they have two shots base, 16 inches. So you're going 16, you know, plus six. 
you know <laughs> it's just it's a large threat range and you're yeah. taking up a lot of space for 30 30 odd uh, dark shards Cor a huge amount of space you know you got like the 16 plus 6 plus 6 and plus one for the banner it's 29 inches 60 shots for 300 points and and the synergy doesn't cost a lot with getting a um the the sorceress which is 90 points um and you can just sack your dark shard for your plus two to cast so you can use the same unit to do three things that your army wants to do in your hero phase you can get plus two to cast run shoot and charge and then you know set up whatever you want you want it screening you want it shooting you know it's doing three things for you yeah yeah look and, and you know this is obviously where the knight of zero can also come into play because then those 30 dark shards are also re-rolling ones to hit especially against an army that has no armor save so yeah uh next one that i'm really curious to hear your thoughts on and again jack from re-rolling ones called it out is you've got 20 eternal guard um so we talked earlier about that you know that dark elf kind of aesthetic the 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 former wood elf which is the eternal guards have come in so how does this come into play and why are you bringing those guys in so this army benefits from not having rent with volume of attacks and remove saves so at 260 points on a three up save twos and threes if they don't move swinging back nice little anvil unit this is actually a shout out to uh, tyler emerson where he was thinking i had 10 and he's like, why don't you try 20 you know, as an anvil unit that's just not going to move ever. And this army, you know, doesn't have something like that. So just plopping it somewhere, it's very tough <laughs> for 260 points. Also, two attacks, two inches, twos and threes with no rend against your opponent that has no save. That's a lot of damage. This army's looking to capitalize on volume of attacks versus quality of attacks. So it's a nice unit. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen people, people talked a lot about Phoenix Guard um, and Eternal Guard is in that very similar conversation around Eternal Guard versus Phoenix Guard. And I think some people are now starting to see the benefits of the Eternal Guard. Well, Phoenix Guard are 320 points for the same amount of wounds. I know you have a four plus save, but once we talked about the Anvil Guard ability, you know, you can just mitigate them from Battleshock. Okay, you know, and you're looking for them just to sit there. Yeah. They're... It means that, you know, you don't have as many. Because when, when I run a block of Phoenix Guard, um, I do have a lot of points tied up. A unit of 30 is one one quarter of my army. Or if I'm taking a block of 20, um, it's still a high chunk of points. Yeah, there's a unit in this army that I'm not playing, which is quite strong, which is on par, I think, with Phoenix Guard at times, which is the Black Guard, which is a Darkling Coven unit that is twos and threes if you're within a 12 inches of a Sorceress. And they're two inches, two attacks each, neg one. But, you know, they're getting a bit more expensive too. And right now, points, you know... It could be Black Guard. If, if you want to play a unit of 20 Black Guard, they're good. I like Black Guard too, but, you know, having the uh, twos and threes and the three plus save is, is great. Uh, next up, you've got a unit of 10 free guild handgunners. Yep. Just chaff, you know, a little bit of overwatching. Um, I found that you need a lot of chaff in this army because it's elves and they just die. 
So if you get a hit hard, you're losing your army. So they're 100 points. It counts as a nice little battle line unit too. Most of the army's battle line, but it's just a nice little unit. They've done what I've needed them to do. They're good. They got a little bit of rend. Overwatch the, is nice. And also, you know, let's not discount the, the long rifle that sits in that unit. So for every unit yeah. of handgun, uh, you get that long rifle, which is going to have a 30-inch uh, threat range. Um, it does two damage, and it ignores lookouts, sir. So you're not going to get the minus one to hit if you shoot at a character near a unit. So Yeah, uh, like if you have 10 free guild handgunners screening 20 Eternal Guard, it's pretty good. Uh, it's like that point is going to take, I don't know, three turns to get to, you know, almost maybe two plus turns. Yeah, I mean, there's been plenty of times where I've sniped a hero just purely off the, the long rifle, um, just picking out, just going out, you know, splitting the attacks. The, the regular handgunners go somewhere else. The long rifle's just hitting that five wound character, that four wound, that six wound character. Um, and it's been yeah. awesome. Definitely. Uh, they're just a great unit. Cool. You can put anything you want there. I mean, if it depends what you're playing. If you're a Dwarden player, feel free to put change this army up you know if you if what, what you want to play i mean they the dark shards you know the dark elves just work well with what you're doing but there's a lot of flex spots in this army sure and if, yeah. and if you could put what you plug and play what you feel fit what models you got man i think you know, have, having the the shooting when you get charged um you know the battle line uh the you know this is a nice little shooting option but that's kind of what it brings to the table yeah um next thing you've got 10 10 dread spears um that's them. I mean, they're there to die. And they just are great. I mean, you love them. 90 points, you know. They're just sacrifice them and let them die. But they're a must-add. If you're playing Sorceress, you have to have 10 Dread Spears in your army, I believe. It counts as a battle line automatically, you know. And there you go. Little combination. Yeah. Now, the one that excites me the most is the three gyrocopters. So this is our first introduction to the Dwarder and the Dwarves um, into the Amble Guard. What does, what, why am I bringing these little helicopter machines to my, to my army? Um, they are one of your combination pieces. I mean, this army against... Horde armies and stuff. Yeah. This is where you're going to see these guys shine. You know, you remove the save from 30 Mortite Guard. You fly them in. You know, you get 30 shots each with your steam guns. That's 90 shots. Threes and fours. Neg one. You can re-roll those ones. If you fly over top, you can drop bombs. They are fast. 16-inch base move. And the Dreadlord's 14 inches, and my Knight Azeros is 16 inches. That's a lot of movement when you're not seeing the movement here. So that was a shout-out that I got to give to you. I was Another spot that can go there if you play Scourge Runners is the Chariots at 3 for 150. It's D3 Mortal Wounds on 6s to hit. You can re-roll those. There's a lot of spots there that can flex also if you like Chariots or what you're doing. But the, the Gyrocopters are the piece, I think. Yeah, and I know in previous lists you've run three Scourge Chariots, which come in at 150 points for three, which has been, again, really good value. They have really large bases. They take up a lot of board space. 
Um, they're nice. It's a lot of wounds. Yeah, a lot of wounds good. and a big door. Exactly, huge base and lots of wounds for the points. So six six wounds a base. Correct. Eight? Yeah. Yeah. And they're yeah. on a five plus, but the um the Drake spawn chariots, which are also two plus D three mortal wounds on the charge, are on a four plus save. So. And again, I mean, any wounds that are, any wounds that are going into the chariots are not going into your dreadlord. They're not going into you know the 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 other stuff that you want unwounded. Correct. And for 180 points, I mean. <laughs> The damage that can happen that doesn't always, you know, you have steam guns and you're going up against maw tribes, which happened to me, isn't fun. <laughs> but, you know, that's the kind of stuff that it's part of the game, you know, it just is what it is. But you see a unit of 60 grots. So your gyrocopters are coming in as a horde killer. Um, and this is where it combines quite nicely with uh, vitrilic spray. Correct. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're great. I mean, removing the save, this, they're, they're kitted out with the steam guns. I mean, it's pick your thing, but the steam guns are just, it's only an eight inch range, mind you. So that's something for people to remember. So it's models within eight inches. So it's a bit restrictive, but fun. Something to keep in mind. Uh, the last unit choice you've got before your endless spells and all that good stuff is the 10 Shadow Warriors. It almost seems like every list in Cities of Sigma must come with a unit of Shadow Warriors. This is no different. Why the Shadow Warriors? They just do what you need them to do. You want a point, you know, land them on some terrain. They're buffed up, 10 shots. I mean, they just harass... They are your wasp unit that your opponent's thinking about them through turns one, two, and three. They have them and they have to think about them. And it's just a nice little piece. If you're playing cities or some of these armies, you know, there's a few other books that are like this. A lot of working pieces going on that do different things. And the Shadow Warriors just fit. You know, what you'd have in, say, your Tempest Die 2 or your Teleporting, they just fit that role where you can put them anywhere. Their restrictions are pretty good, you know, and they get buffed up on terrain and they hit good on terrain. Like if you're looking at a hero in the back line, they got a few wounds left. They're probably not surviving. Yeah, and like one of the big reasons that people are taking, if you haven't played with Shadow Warriors yet, you don't know why people are taking them. You don't start them on on, uh, on the board. So when, you, when you're putting down the deployments, yeah. you keep them in reserve and you can bring them in any time or any of your movement phases up until turn four. If you don't do it by turn four, they're dead. But the, 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 the key benefit is that they come down um, at the end of the movement phase as long as they're outside of nine anywhere on the board, uh, nine inches of an enemy. Um, and if you deploy them in cover, they get plus one to hit and plus one to wound to their shooting attacks. That means they're going to be doing uh, hitting on twos, wounding on threes, rend one for one damage. So they can come down, steal an objective, take down that that hero that might be kind of, or that cheap small battle line unit that's kind of holding an objective. Mm -hmm. um, and they're not bad in combat as well, so then they can kind of go for that nine-inch charge and hopefully finish off what's been holding that objective. Yeah, they're just they're a great unit. I mean, you you kind of got to play one. I mean, they just do everything. And if, for 110 points, you can spend it other places, but they're worth every point. You know, if if they were a hundred people, it's just it's they're too good. I I did want to touch on the executioners though. 
Um, the executioners are are interesting in this army for sure. Um, they are your a huge part of your damage. Um, their profile might not be good when you first look at it. People are thinking, oh, they don't have any rend. Mortal wounds on a six to hit that ends. But once again, they're a Darkling Coven unit. And so they can run and charge. And plus one to that charge too. With rerolling ones, you know, I've almost one shot a Frost Lord with them. You know, they are extremely, extremely punchy. And for 260 points with the type of damage that they're putting out, it's a great unit in this army. Once again, another unit that has no rent capitalizes on volume of tax for low points. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a whole bunch of cool combinations. I know you've used executioners quite well in the past. There are, you know, again, this is just one of many lists. So, um, you know, keep that in mind, team. Um, you've got three endless spells to choose from. You've got the Umbral Spell Portal, portal the Quicksilver Swords, the Suffocating suffocating Gravetide. Grave uh, remember that these are all empowered by the realms. Um, yeah. So you're going to get extra benefits. Um, by the way, when you cast an empowered endless spell and it comes down to, you know, the, the before the end, you know, the next turn and we, you know, people get to move the predatory spell, um, it always remains empowered. So it's not like, uh, when you get to play with it, you get the empowered and your opponent doesn't No, If you cast an empowered umbral spell portal, it remains empowered umbral spell portal. Correct. That's the one thing your opponents can use it. So you gotta be aware of that. So talk me through why Spell Portal, why Swords, why Great Tide? Well, Umbral Spell Portal, when it's empowered, you can, your first Spell Portal, so what the uh, kind of the thing is here is your Sorceress and your Adjutant, your General and your Adjutant, the first one that casts it, you set it up within one inch of your other Sorceress. If a hero Sorceress is within one inch of it, or if you end an endless spell movement between before one inch of it, it goes through. So you can place the other one empowered anywhere you want on the map. It has no limit restrictions for range. So that's where you can just basically pick a unit of your uh, opponents that might have a nice save. And you can just cast Vitriolic Spray on any unit you want in the game and remove their save characteristic. So... It's extremely powerful, but you it can also you to, so it allows you to essentially extend the range of almost any of your spells. Correct. Um, so if you really need to get that mystic shield off, you could still do that. Um, you know, yeah. virtually spray is just one of the many examples. But um, I know with you know with my city, you know, all the different cities of Sigma builds, I'm always looking at how do I extend the range of a spell. Um, yeah, like if you're going to see a lot of gaunt summoners coming up, and you go portal quicksilver sword, swords on a gaunt summoner. It's very, very good. That's 240 yeah. points that your opponent spent for a Gaunt Summoner. And this is 100 points to kill that Gaunt Summoner. And that's a huge point swing on turn one, especially when they're looking to put around 500 points on the table and not worry about how you feel about it. <laughs> are you talking, when you say 100 points, are you talking about the combination of the spell portal? And Correct. The sword? 100 points for the two spells and then 240 points for the unit you're killing. That's a nice little point swing. 
So one of the one of the combinations here, team, um, if if you're not familiar with this, is that you can send one endless one endless spell through the umbral spell portal. So you could send your Emerald Life Swarm, you could put your purple sun, you could put your um your Aether Point Pendulum. Now, with most of those predatory endless spells, um, they only do damage when they touch or fly over a model. The right. challenge is, is that once you put an endless spell through the umbral spell portal, it doesn't get to move. The Quicksilver Swords comes into play because once you've moved the Quicksilver Swords, you then do damage to something within six inches of it. It's one of Correct. the very few predatory spells that we have to choose from, which then means you can throw the swords through the spell portal, find a spot, and then you could pop that Gaunt Summoner because you're doing 15 dice and it's against Chaos. You're doing Mortal Wounds on a five. So... Um, I played against a Chaos Army, a Corn Army, not too long ago, and I did eight mortal wounds to Scarbrand just from <laughs> one round. Well, just from one one round of the of the swords against Scarbrand, um, which was beautiful, crazy. man. It was beautiful. Eight, I mean, that was very lucky, right? But fifteen dice, five up. Do the maths. You should probably do what four to six mortal wounds on average. Yeah, I like the odds of it too, and and that's why we're playing this game too is for rolling dice, right? So, you know, and it's part of it, you know. But the averages are there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if I, if I average, you know, that that five to six, that's that is a uh, an average hero. So um, definitely the threat range alone um, will, will concern your concern people. Um, and then the potential is just insane. Um, like I, I, I was able to unhinge and really basically shut down Scarbrand by putting those eight wounds and he was hitting with a pillow, um, when he ended up getting into combat. Yep, definitely. Uh, and then the, the grave tide, that's an interesting choice. Most people don't take the grave tide. Um, that the, the, the thoughts behind this were actually from playing against the new Winterleaf Sylvaneth, which if you ever played against a Branch Wraith or Witch or whatever that's on plus four to cast, it's pretty good. And being able to slow down, this army suffers against extremely aggressive armies. The problem which you've seen, I did, it's dangerous. You have to send it through the portal or you can't set it up, but sending it through the portal and just putting it in front of your opponent's army on deployment is disgusting <laughs> because the way the spell works is you have to set it wholly within your caster, but the portal counts as your caster. So when the portal sets up, your it takes on the, the distance from your caster. So you have to set it up within the portal, set up a nice little thing. They can't move. You know, have to dispel it. Maybe they can't dispel it. I don't know. Now, now obviously, the wizard who casts the Umbral Spell Portal can't then cast the Grave Tide. Now, despite how many casts, this is probably where your double your double sorceress is coming to play. One could do the Umbral Spell Portal. One could then bring the Swords or the Grave Tide through, um, or Ventrilic Spray or whatever. Correct. You're on a. These are one cast wizards, so you need two to three wizards. I think in most cities list personally, but you know that you don't got two casting wizards. So even your sorceress on black dragon for 300 points is only casting one spell, which I'm think it's criminal. I've been pushing against it forever. Free the sorceress on black dragon. Yeah. Well you and my, uh, my wizard on Griffin, um, <laughs> give, me a, yes. give me a double cast. I, I can't justify that wizard Griffin as much as and I it, want it. I can't justify it. 
if he was a two caster, the amount of mortal wounds that guy can put out with his mount plus whatever spells you give him, you know, you give him fireball. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a hot, even though a spell regular is a bit hot garbage. Um, but, you know, that was a really interesting view on your particular list. And I know, uh, again, you know, if you want to be a dwarf kind of Duarden type player, you know, you could build around and kind of make this your own. If you want to be more of a free guild, you know, make this your own. Um, but I know, you know, one of the things that Anvilgard has up its sleeve is it has a start collecting box. One of the few of the cities that actually has a start collecting box. Um, any advice when it comes to to building a list around that or what you get out of that box? Yeah, that's interesting because these models are old models and you're looking at Canadian dollars. A Carabitus will cost you 75 to $80. You get the start collecting box for 110 15 and you're getting a hero choice, a battle line choice, a chariot, and the Carabitus. It's a 200 plus, well, we're looking at, yeah, 220 $230 value for 110 and for my Scourge Privateer fans out there, I know you're out there. You didn't see any, but there is 40 Scourge Privateers for two, like the 200 and what, 40 points it is with a Soul Scream Bridge that casts pretty much automatically. If you're getting into this army, the Start Collecting Box, a few of those, it builds your battalion instantly. You know, three of those boxes builds your battalion and over half your army. So it's a great... What they did was nice. They should do it for more armies in this book because the models are expensive, but what can you do? Yeah. So, I mean, the great stuff there, and obviously it's rewarding us with the gyrocopter and things like that. So, Well, the gyrocopter actually comes in the um, Greywater Fastness one. Oh, uh, that's right. You get the chariot option between Scourge Runner or... But they're also extremely expensive on the site. I mean, if you need three chariots, which is 150 points, it's going to cost you 150 Canadian dollars. Um, you know, it's tough for people, but they're strong. So, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that, again, this is just one of the many lists that you can build around Anvil Guard. Um, how, does it, how does it win? How do I win a game with Anvil Guard? Because um, the way I play Hello Heart, the way we play with Tempest Die are very different. So I imagine Anvil Guard is going to be is going also going to be different. Shenanigans, a lot of shenanigans, interesting stuff. Um, for hero choices, if you're playing, you know, you need hero maps. It's you got to build your list a bit differently. They're looking to control objectives target down certain areas they're extremely good at targeting certain areas melting things playing the objectives battle shock immunity you can play them in a lot of large horde groups which could help you win you know 40s 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 battle shock immunity objective holding they're definitely playing the game of age of sigmar so well, i'm glad they're not playing 40k <laughs> By that, I mean you have to play the scenarios. Yeah. So, <laughs> sorry, you know, sorry, I couldn't help myself. No, it was <laughs> I fell into that for sure. I mean, the army is your combination army. If you're interested in doing combination style winning, you know, you're interested in playing what your opponent's deployment is, how your opponent's playing, it's going to win through games like that, games of attrition. 
games of uh, surprising your opponent with things that they might not expect. Yeah, you know, for me, it's got some magic, it's got some combat, it's got some shooting, it's got some monsters, it's got some of those light cavalry. Um, and obviously the whole book has that, but, you know, the army, the army can leverage all of it. While things like, you know, if you put those Scourge Runners into a Hallow Heart, it's like, eh, oh, it's not really kind of, it doesn't kind of synergize as well as what it does in Guard. One of the benefits of this army is I think it can adjust to different metas quite well. Where it can adjust to a monster meta. It can adjust to playing the horde game and stuff like that. It can it can it can really adjust. Um it's always starting the game. I've mentioned it before. You're starting the game with a lot of command points. You're starting the game with resources. So how you want to manage those resources you start the game with, it's a very good tool. So I know like one one thing that I've done. Um, to synergize with the Black Dragon really well. Um, and I'm happy to talk about this in the future when I do the Tempest Eye video, is um, I synergize the Drakespawn Knights with the Dreadlord. So that's 150 points. Um, if the Dreadlord's my my, my general, it makes those Drakespawn um, battle line. Um, and they combine really well with the Dreadlord's command ability. Um, there is a lot of stuff you can do with that. Where And they also are on a 3-plus save. So I know you're going up to it, you know, when you talk about that, you're getting a better save, but they're nice, you know, a three plus save against certain chaff units and they get quite punchy. So, you know, yeah. plus one to wound, they do not have very many attacks. So it's a bit interesting. Another interesting unit, which everyone knows about is iron drakes with casting a grave, um, sorry, a uh, bridge with this army is extremely reliable. Plus two to cast on the bridge. It's empowered. You can move your army around quite a bit. It's high mobility. It might not look like high mobility because they're elves is what it looks like, but there's a lot of run and charge. There's a lot of stuff like that. There's a lot of shenanigans with the army. I think what's really cool as well is, um, you know, like if you were going to build around this list, you know, a very fast, hard-hitting Anvil Guard list, you know, instead of taking the Sorceresses on foot, maybe you'd go down the route of taking, you know, the um, the Sorceress on Black Dragon, um, you know, and then and then you're kind of combining, you know, with some more fast, those, those Scourge Runner Chariots. So, again, you've got this really fast, hard-hitting wall of, you know, your Drakespawn Knights, your Dread, Dreadlord, you know, all that stuff. So... For sure. And what elf players? There's wild riders, which are okay. They're crazy on the charge. You know, they're your units are going to die in this army. So you got to hit them hard or you got to hit them sneakily. You got, or you got to hit them. You got to play the matchups is what I'm kind of saying, where you're bringing something that can adapt to whatever your opponent's bringing. So you have to play those matchups. So if you don't have the matchups, you know, you're playing five up save stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. So we kind of know how they're going to win. I guess the, the counter argument to that is how do they lose? Like, like what concerns you the most uh, when you face your opponent? Well, croak. 
Well, I mean, that's a really good point. And, and, and croak is because you're building a strategy around the animal spell portal, the ventrilic spray. So anything like the, uh, that has a really strong unbind. So croak, uh, I can only imagine techless when he comes is going to be a strong unbinder. Yeah. Um, the Lord of Change could be a, a pain in the butt. High magic casting, or, or well, I should say dispelling armies and extreme mortal wound output is dangerous for this army. You can you don't have a lot of stuff that's mitigating that type of stuff. You know, you can bring a Luminarch of Hish, but then you're looking to fish for sixes. I tried. I don't know. I love the Luminarch, but another armies or army or armies that are tough, you know, if they're going to be pushed without screens, if you get hit, if you don't get, you can't really hit back, you know, if you get pushed back, back, you got to have a lot of screens. You have to mitigate the first combat and then kind of counter punch with this army. So if you don't mitigate that first big push by offensive armies, it's very difficult to push back. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, especially with something like your build, um, there's a couple of key pieces. Like when we played on Tabletop Simulator, you know, the very first thing I had to do is take out that sorceress that one was going to generate your command points, two, reduce the ability to do um, the ventrilic spray from um, from the Umbral Spell Portal, um, and then losing the Black Dragon was that big key punch. So um, they lack hero choices. I'm going to, unless, you know, you can, you can bring a frost Phoenix if you want. It's a great unit in this. You give it the cloak. You're, you're on a four plus, <laughs> you have a four plus, plus a five plus, plus it's base save. You cast, you, you cast with your sorceress on a plus two. Then he's getting the bonus on turn one. You know what I mean? It, and, it's and, a great and, unit. But and that would synergize well with taking Phoenix guard because then all of a sudden your Phoenix guard would be a perfect adjutant that would, um, you know, so the retinue um, to be passing mortal wounds off, uh, generate command points. You would be able to do a lot of cool stuff. So you've got that kind of that Phoenician Phoenix Guard build. They can also bring into Anvil Guard um, if, if you don't like the the the, the Darkling Coven style. That's one of the things where I think people dismiss the army originally, where they're like, "Why well, a free guild? I can't play a Dark Elf army." Well, that's not how Anvil Guard works. Anvil Guard wants everyone to play that army. It used to be. So if for anyone who was familiar with the Firestorm campaign, which was the basically the Cities of Sigma beta, um, that that restricted you to a very Darkling Coven style. And by the way, I just want to call out Haywo Twitch in the chat has made a really good point as well, is that the Fire Phoenix is a great uh, addition to Anvil Guard as well. And if you're feeling risky and you like the four up, hey, you might get a free Phoenix um when it dies but, well anvil guard um, loves being risky and that's the thing is like if you like rolling dice too this is an army that's it's fun it, it's fun and it plays how it's supposed to play and it's looking for people to experiment with it you know experiment with units the army works you need a sorceress and you need 10 dread spears and then you can plug and play basically whatever you want in the army. I suggest the dragon, but if you play finish, if you're a Phoenician player that wants to try anvil guard out, play anvil guard, try it out. You know, you know, it's just, you know, 
try it out. A, yeah, there's a lot of obvious. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you were going to build outside of the the Darkling Coven, it means you're probably not going to tap into that dragon uh, Charybdis style benefits. But otherwise, like getting extra command points, getting an extra artifact, um, you know, some of these additional like um, spells, like I, I could be doing the eventually spray from a Hurricanum. Um, One of the things we didn't support. we didn't touch on, I don't think exactly, but you can also choose a thing called Secretive Warlock, which means if you have a hero that's not a wizard, you're free guild general, you give him Secretive Warlock, he now knows, if he's a wizard, he knows all the spells from the spell lore, but if he isn't, he becomes a wizard, and then you can give him a spell. You know, and if you like rolling an 8+, you say, hey, if I get it, I get it. If I don't, there it is. I do that. I, I do that in Hello Heart with my general being the um, anointed on foot, and yeah. I give him an artifact called the Wickfire Tome, which gives him a spell from the spell law. Um, and because he can unbind as well, it means I can unbind an endless spell. I can dispel without being impacted by the artifact because the artifact is not a spell; it's coming from the artifact. So it, although it doesn't get keyword of wizard, I can still do some cool stuff for a hundred points. So again. Pick your poison, go down the high elf route, go the wood elf route, go the dark elf route, go the empire route. All of these older factions tie in really well to be something unique and special. And I know I keep referring to old style armies and I could be using it, free guild, darkling coven, scourge privateers, but that concept works really well here and you're not restricted to just one style like you used to have to be. Yeah, the army... <clears throat> It's very good against monsters too. And if you have a lot of, um, let's say, uh, the guys from the Wood Elf guys on foot that are good against monsters, not wild, wild rangers. Well, yeah, yeah. You can have Wildwood Rangers. You can take the uh, Slayer command trait. And now your general is a beast against monsters. You take the battalion, which gives the battalion, the entire battalion, you can take 340 blocks of Scourge Privateers if you want in the battalion that are all plus one to hit and plus one to wound against monsters that can teleport across the board on three attacks each with a with a Black Arc Fleetmaster. For 300 points, you get 120 attacks at plus one to hit and plus one to wound against monsters that can uh, Soul Scream Bridge uh, empowered anywhere around the map. There's a lot of stuff here that people can look at if you have the models, try it out. I think it has legs. Yeah, Soul Screen Breach, by the way, doesn't get empowered. It's only malign sorcery. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry, not, not it doesn't get empowered. Artifacts, but, it's only uh, in mind sorcery, my bad. But you cast but, it for cheaper is what I'm getting at with the sorceress. My yeah. apologies, man. Teleport the Iron, uh, Iron Drakes, teleport uh, Sisters yeah. of the Thorn or the Sisters of the Watch. Um, exactly. Teleport a big block of handgunners or crossbowmen. There's a lot of cool stuff. Um, I, you know, we're only t uh, tipping the iceberg here. Um is there any particular scenarios that you enjoy playing the most, like the style or, you know, um, who knows what scenarios are coming in the future, but is there ones that work really well with Anvergaard? Uh, ones where you can pressure outside objectives are good. I like, you know, ones where the randomized ones where you can surprise your opponent, where they move a huge block of their army somewhere and you say, okay, remove that entire block of the army, you know, just, it struggles with hero objectives for sure, where you, you can't really move your sorceresses around. You're playing two foot heroes that can't really move. And you don't so, want your dreadlord sitting on an objective. That, that's a complete waste of points. It's It struggles with, 
hero stuff, I'm going to be honest. Um, you can change it so you can have a lot more mobility. I mean, chariots move. You know, you can have a lot of mobility. Um, stuff where you're deep striking things in, you're moving, you know, you can t generate good quality on that. But you're looking at counterattacking. So I think that's where the army's strongest is the counterattack options. So, which I've struggled with too. It, it's a difficult thing to play. I've, I've got a ton of feedback from people. And, and one thing I hope is that people pick up a list like this, players that are quite accomplished and, and they want to try things out. And I think it can surprise a lot of people on counterattacking where, you know, you really can steal objectives from people steal scoring score i've noticed that if you get that double turn on turn three that's where the army really excels so on that priority roll going into the third battle round if you can somehow obtain priority or keep priority you have a good chance it, it really starts to kick into overdrive if you can combine you know the double turn and things like that yeah uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. I agree. I mean, if you were concerning and you were going to a tournament where um, you, you did need a hero that was going to sit on an objective, this is where the Frost Phoenix might come into play because it's just a super durable unit. That's the thing. I mean, you look at this, you look at the pack from a tournament coming up and you see the scenarios, you might have to adjust this list. You know, this list has so many working parts and you know more better than most. That book has so many units. Where depending on what's going on, you can you can plug and play. Yeah. Last question before we wrap things up is that uh, now that you've been playing with Anvil Guard for a while now, and you've got a bit of experience, more experience than other people, what are the things that you've learnt from the book that might not be obvious to someone who just picks it up for the first time, based on the experience, based on the, the play style? based on just the interactions that sound good from a maths hammer point of view or, you know, theory crafting that either work, didn't work as well or surprised you. Cause it's like, Oh, I didn't realize it was going to be that good. I didn't originally thought that the, you, everyone last year was on the drop craze where the lower the drops, the better the drops, the lower the, and the battalions in this book, are not really where the strength is. I mean, we know which battalions are good. Everyone's talked about white fire retinue. You know, the one from Tempest Eye isn't that bad if you got pistol ears. The have, a whole, have a whole one's all right if you're okay. It's good if you're someone like me who has. I think it's actually very good. The hammer but, one. But if you're a dwarf or an elf player, it's hot garbage because you were never going to take that many demigriffs and a free guild general. Exactly. And so the I thought that the battalions could be an issue. But after seeing the amount of point, um, the amount of points you save from just simply being able to gain the amount of command points, I didn't think it was going to be as good as it was. You know, you can <laughs> you can just give your assassin a venom blade. You can you can just do fun things for free. You know, you don't have to be structured into a battalion. Playing this army gives you a lot of freedom that I didn't see before, where you can play what you want, and it's going to do what. It says it's going to do, and you can the, plug and play. And the battalion, by the way, guys, is the Charwind Beast Hunters, which is a one Anvil Guard Black Art Fleet Master. We've got three units of Anvil Guard Black Art Corsairs. Um, we have one to three units of the Anvil Guard 
Scourge Runner Chariots, and then zero to one Anvil Guard Charybdis. And what it does is it adds one to the wound roll for attacks made by units that target an enemy monster. So this is the monster hunter out. Um, you can also give your general Slayer of Monsters on one of your big, like, attacking generals too. So, and then he's also great against monsters. And, you know, it's, it's going with the flavor, right? I guess they're, you know, but you can get that for free. You don't need to take the battalion and you get the benefits of it. And that's the thing. Like, it, it's super hard. Like, you, you almost can't get an extra artifact in any other army. Um, I'd, I'd like to be proven wrong if there's another way of getting an extra artifact somewhere else. But, um, like, you, uh, if you accept the limitation on drops, you get the extra command points you don't have to pay for. And you get an extra artifact you don't have to pay for. So that's a, that's a pretty cool thing. And then if you want if you want the battalion, now you're coming in with three artifacts. I see. I think we're moving away from this drops meta where people were so concerned with the drops. This army capitalizes on the counterpunch, capitalizes on, you know, you're going against someone that knows, you don't have any people I go against, but they say you can have the first turn. They don't, they don't want to move up and get sprayed. You know, people are starting to catch on to what it's doing, which I don't know if that's good or bad, but you're not worried about the drops. Like I, I think a lot of high drops going forward is going to be the way a lot of armies are playing where it's not about the drops going forward anymore. I think I, I was having this discussion. I can't remember who it was with the other day. Uh, I was saying, unless you are under three drops, it's almost not worth it. You've got these three bands, right? You've got, you know, drops one to three. So if you're like a change host, cool you're in one to three territory. If you can't be in one to three territory, you know, there's that mid range where you're like, you might get to choose who gets to go first from three to six, three to seven, anything kind of above six or seven. It almost like it doesn't matter how many drops you are. So go 11, go 12, go 20. Um, it's really exactly. It, it also gives you the opportunity to set up your screens a lot better. So, you know, they, they're done deploying and, you can take a bunch of min units, you know, a bunch of long beards if you're playing Dwarden or whatever, and you just can push your stuff up there. Free guild guard, you know, three units of free guild guard. You see your opponents looking to smash you. You got 14 drops or something. You just throw a bunch of units of free guild guard in their way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, a strategy I was building around is some things like, you know, you can go get some Aether Wings from Stormcast, 50 points. They're just super cheap drops. Uh, it was a way that I was looking for my Tempest Eye to... Um, to be able to take three KO units. Um, and that's an easy way to increase those drops for very little points. Um, Definitely. So I think, you know, when you look at Stormcast book, you look at, uh, unfortunately, I had a look on my phone to see if a Star Drake was a, dr a dragon. Unfortunately, I can't give it the dragon mount traits in Anvil Guard. I didn't uh, even see that. I didn't even no, look. That would no, be. No, you can't. You can't. I had a quick look and I'm like, oh, I'm like, please, please, please. No, it's Star Drake. It doesn't have it doesn't have any of those keywords because then imagine what you could possibly do with a star drake that has acidic blood. Um, it's like it's pretty crazy. Yeah, that's the thing is the dragon keyword going forward. Pay attention to what models are coming out. We have some armies that are coming out that could bring a dragon. You know, there's you never know, and can it ally in? I don't know, but don't know. Buckets, this has been awesome. Is there anything else you want to add to the Anvil Guard discussion or should we kind of start closing it out? I think the chat has, uh, Joe has nailed the, I guess the show episode name, what it should be, or maybe the motto. Um, but is there anything you want to kind of close us out with? Any shout outs, any, um, if people want to find you, where can they find you? 
Well, I'm, yeah, like you can find me on Twitter. You can find me in the coach discord. That's where we're hanging out. I just want to give a shout out to all the guys there in the community. This is, it was a passion project originally with GoTrek. You know, people have been encouraging about this army. You know, I, I brought it to the table and it's a community project. I feel at times now where everyone's giving feedback and I just encourage more people to, to pick it up. And if you're playing cities and you're, you haven't looked at it because you're playing Dwarden or you're, you know, you're playing free guild, try the city out, see what it's doing and give it a bit of love. Maybe give it your own spin. Maybe you, you can teach me something and we can work out together something on this. I, I want to see this army on the table at the next tournament scene coming forward. I think it has some options. And I just want to give a big shout out to, you know, Dianok, of course, you know, we met him and, you know, there's a lot of guys in the discord coach, you obviously Rocco dreamer, you know, Pask. These are guys that just safeguard. I just want to give a big shout out to these guys because it's all about love, man. It's all about the community we got going on here and everyone's encouraging everyone. And that's what this army is. It's a passion project from the community, really. I mean, I had a guy playing the Anvil Garden Discord today in a 2v2 match shouting me out and they did, and it's fun, you know? It's, there's something there and it, I just want people to take a look at it. Oh, I think, mate, honestly, after this 90 minutes of discussion, um, I'm looking at the chat. They have been calling this out. There is um, some awesome list tech here. I think people are looking at Anvil Guard very differently. Um, you know, Hallow Heart, Hammer Hall, Tempest Eye aren't the only three cities in this book. You know, Rocco did a video with me earlier around the Living City. I think people are now looking at Living City a little bit differently. Um, and I imagine no differently people who watch this video are now going to start thinking about how does my army, how does my list act in, and, and, and make the most of an Anvil Guard? Um, well, it's so interesting, we especially with, you know, you see these new Lumineth coming out. They look like they got a lot of armor. If we're moving towards more of like this three plus save, you're needing a lot of Ren 2, which this army can generate a lot of Ren 2, too, if you play the right stuff. Ren 2 and, and negating saves. Going yeah, forward, cool. I think it's in the right spot. I don't know. I think it needs people that are experienced players playing this army, more experienced than myself. This was originally a passion project for me, but I think it has another level to go. I don't know if I can take it there personally, but I know there's people out there that can. Well, and I'm that's what sure I'm Andrew, hoping for. Andrew Bigwood that I was talking about earlier at CanCon, I think he was one of the highest ranked players at CanCon with Cities of Sigma. And he, was running, he was running Anvil Guard. So. Um, well, Buckets, it was an absolute pleasure having you here. Um, thank you very much for everything. Um, if you want to check out um buckets on twitter uh, i do have his details in the uh, episode description um and to end the show uh thank you very much from uh from joe uh or aka uh Haywo. spray and pray baby spray and pray. yeah man and i want to give a shout out to that guy i am so happy that your content's back man i know you're on a hiatus or whatever it was dude but the community needs you so you keep putting content out there dude Please. <laughs> he needs to do another parody of the uh, the Stormcast. Welcome to Stormcast. It's, it's just a... Uh, thank you, Anthony. This has been... It's just such a pleasure, man. Thank you. 
My pleasure. All right. Well, I'm ending the show now. Spray and pray, baby. Spray and pray. Uh, enjoy Anvil God. And I look forward to hearing what you guys build in your lists. Cheers, Spray everybody. Pray. Thank you. Spray and pray. Spray and pray. Spray and pray, boy. Spray and pray. <laughs>